everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Babby's House, where everybody is a member of the family, and that certainly includes you. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Babby Mason, the host of the show, and I have a great program prepared for you today and a wonderful guest. His name is Stephen Garuffalo, and he's a speaker, author, and teacher on issues relating to Christian apologetics and theology. In addition to his most recent books, uh, his most recent book is entitled Equipped, Basic Training in Christian Apologetics. He's also the author of Right for You, But Not Right for Me, and All Roads Don't Lead to Heaven, Discovering God in the New Age. He's the president of Reason for Truth Ministry and host of Reason for Truth Podcast. Stephen, I'm happy to have you on the show, my friend. Welcome to the show. Oh, Babby, it's an honor, privilege. I've been looking forward to this, trust me. An honor, to, an honor to speak with you today. And you know, uh, Stephen, this subject of Christian apologetics and that uh, the, the whole uh, subject of being able to defend our faith is more important now than ever. So talk to me about, first of all, let's define the word or the term. What is Christian apologetics? Yeah, apologetics simply comes from the Greek word apologia, which it means like a lawyer to give it a defense. Some people kind of um, interpret to mean they want to argue with people, but really <laughs> we're supposed to, as Paul says, reason from the scriptures, right? And in today's world, it's to give biblical and extra biblical explanations or reasons for the Christian faith. For example, in theology, in theology, I tell people, you know, they say, I don't like philosophy, I don't like theology. So I say, well, uh, do you believe in the Trinity? They say, yeah, well, that's, there's no word Trinity in the Bible. It's, it's called theology. You can see clearly there's Trinity, and so on and so forth. But apologetics just gives you biblical and extra-biblical and scientific reasons to show why all these things support the Bible. Well, you know, the, the, the term apologetics and even the term theology can be intimidating for some people. Um, so is is that field of apologetics, is that just a certain call for some people? I can imagine that some people are saying, hey, listen, I'm not a theologian, so maybe I'm not called to be a defender of my faith. What do you say to that person? I think that uh, apologetics in our today's day and age is very different than the 50s, let's say, or 40s. There was once a time, um, Babby, I remember when even when I was a young man in the early 70s, that, you know, you didn't really have to defend the Christian faith. It was the given. Even if you weren't a believer, you lived by Christian values and ethics and beliefs, and that's the way culture was. In today's world, there's attacks on Christianity, and so we have to be able to answer scientifically, you know, uh, as well as philosophically. And I don't mean real, real academic. I mean, just basics. We have to know something about world religions and worldviews. If you want to talk with a Muslim about their uh, faith is poor. Talk to your children, your grandchildren about the Muslim teacher <laughs> or class assignment that gave hope. It said the Quran is true, and let's let's go through these things, but not the Christian faith. It, it's always good to inoculate them. That's one of the three visions or purposes for the book is to inoculate the youth by helping prepare them to think rationally, logically, also with the spirit present uh, in scriptures, all in one. Can't just take it by itself. Well, you talk, you're talking about inoculating our kids, and we're going to talk about kids and grandkids in a moment because you have kids, and I have adult children, and my grandkids are in their teens now, um, so we want to talk about that in just a moment. But let's, let's define truth because, you know, we've been hearing this word truth being kind of tossed around in a lot of conversations. I've been hearing this term for a few years now, your truth and my truth. 
And that just makes my skin crawl. I'm sorry. I have to just be honest right here. When we when I yeah. hear that term, the, the relative term of truth just kind of being watered down to just a nominal definition. Can you define what truth really is from from a biblical perspective for us? Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a simple definition of as we lay out in the book for truth. But first, let me back up because you you mentioned the word relativism. There's two areas really. There's a lot of relativisms. There's uh, uh, absolute truth versus you know versus relativism, and then there's more moral relativism, which we address as well in the book. They're a little bit different. But so what truth is? It's not relative, and uh, what it is, it's absolute because God's absolute truth. He's not relative truth. And not to sound too technical, but truth is three basic things they describe it. It's telling it like it is. It is what is, and it's what corresponds to reality, right? So the earth is round. You still have the flat earthers out there. I mean, they just are. You know, you see them out there. They really still believe that the earth is flat, I guess, or they play like they do. Well, you know, we could send satellites and astronauts and everything else into outer space, and we can see that the Earth is round, and the science of the Earth and how it rotates, you know, is not a saucer, but it's a round ball. So it is what corresponds to reality. I exist, you exist. Sometimes I've actually asked people, they say, I don't believe that absolute truth. We can't know that. And I said, Do you exist? Well, I don't know. And I, you know, but you know, you you can use logic then. Dr. Geiser, Norman Geiser is my mentor. He said to me, he said uh, that he was asked rather in uh, one minute apologist, they said, What? is the most important class in seminary, he said, logic. The reason I was surprised at that, but if you get it there wrong forward, you are off track because you're not going to know truth, right? You have to be able to logically think and not think out of postmodern emotions. Like, you know, I just feel it. There's nothing wrong with feeling. It just can't dictate what truth is. So it's telling it like it is. Look, when Pontius Pilate exonerated Jesus, he just said it the way it is. It's what corresponds to reality. And it is just what is? You know, we're here talking on this day. That's true for all people, even on the other side of the earth, that we're talking. Babby and Steve are speaking right now at this time, right now on, on program. That's the true. That's true for everybody, even if they're not here. Absolutely. Uh, Stephen, you, you talk about um, defending, you know, as an apologist, you, you speak about defending the faith but you also speak about advancing our faith in Christ. Can you talk about what it means to uh, advance our faith? Yes, and I'll back up uh, also on the true, and then I'll answer that on the offensive. But, you know, the truth is that when you're dealing and you're going to the university, you're in a high school or in these days, kindergarten, it's, you know, you grow up in a Christian home, it's important to understand what truth is or what not truth, you know, what an untruth or a false truth is, or you're going to get mixed up in who really the true God is, and did Jesus really rise from the dead? That's the application I should have given you. But to advance, yeah, I would say that using apologetics and evangelism is essential today. It's not really an option. Um, I kind of, I I think we could still use uh, Campus Crusade's four spiritual laws. We just need to add to them, I believe, this apologetic model, at least some, 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 you know, markers in there to help us. If we're, we're today, we are sharing our faith and defending our faith, but also sharing our faith with people of different cultures. I mean, they might come from India and be a Hindu, right? They could be a Muslim coming from a Middle Eastern country. They could be, come from one of the African nations and believe in animism, right? Where the gods are the trees and the rocks, which is part of pantheism. That goes back to chapter one, which is worldview, which is 
why I put it as chapter one, we have to understand all cultures have and all people have a worldview. We have to understand what those basic worldviews are. Once we understand that, then we can uh, then we can begin to you know approach them in the in the in, in evangelism. I'm Italian. We went to Italy. I never saw so much religion in the world, you know. But I'm not sure many people believe in Jesus. But <laughs> there's churches yeah. everywhere. It, so you have to under, you know that's understanding that uh, worldviews and understanding how to defend your faith is important. Um, let's talk about um, the basics of apologetics. As you stated a moment ago, that everyone everyone should be able to defend and advance their faith and you know even on a basic level you should be able to you know tell your story why you believe in Jesus know your testimony why why you believe in Christ what it is you believe you know just the basics of being able to defend your faith so can you i, I kind of you know gave a couple of examples but can you from your experience give us some basics as to where to begin in sharing our faith yeah, baby, that's a, you know, it really depends. I kind of liken it to a train that's going down the road. And uh, I use a four-step model, which is can't talk about Jesus in today's world until you establish that the New Testament scriptures are the most credible and authoritative ancient documents. But you can't do that until you establish that God exists and who is he and what is he. But you can't talk about God until you define that truth exists. And that it's absolute. That sounds technical, but you're going to find people on those four rungs of the ladder. It, so depending on where you find them, and we talk about this in the book, is where you'll plug them in, right? I mean, if they're a Muslim, you don't have to worry about absolute truth. I mean, Muslims are good. They'll, you know, they'll give you a, a good answer if you don't, you know, <laughs> they don't appreciate it if you tell them they're relative because they're not. If you go to a Hindu, they're going to tell you that they subscribe to relativism. Uh, at least religiously and in philo philosophically, but really they don't because, you know, no one lives a relative life or they wouldn't find any money in their bank account, right? So, you know, it's easy it's either there or it's not. So the good place to start is to back all that up. I, that's the model. But in reality, the best place to, place to start is get to know them. You know, don't be afraid of them. Get to, you know, hey, get to know them a little bit, develop a relationship. That goes just into evangelism. The, the starting place for evangelism and gaining credibility, to for you to give credibility as to the transcripts of the New Testament or Jesus or anything starts with your credibility. If you find common ground and discover where they're at, what did they, you know, what did that, how did they grow up? What was it like? You know, were they abused? Were they not abused? Or did they grow up poor? Did they grow up rich? Those things don't really matter in the kingdom of God, but in terms of how they're going to interpret the truth of God from you is different. If I'm a multi-billionaire, which I'm not close at all, not even, but if I were, you know, someone's going to look at me if I pull up in a Bentley, right? They're going to judge me by that. If I pull up in a broke down car with the windshield missing, they're going to still judge me on that. I don't, that's not a point about car, but the point is that people judge us on how we appear and but once they get to know you, then they're gonna and and once you they understand that you hear them, then they're gonna give you some credibility on the certainly on the evangelism. And then you can go in. It might be listen even with a Jewish person, you have to understand something about their worldview. Most Jewish people, and uh, outside of Israel, America is the second largest concentration of Jewish people, and New York City is the host of that. And so most Jewish people are atheists. 
um, and about 80% or probably, or they, and they'll admit that. I mean, they won't admit they may be atheists, but they're not really waiting for the Messiah to return the way we think. We have these pre-misconceptions. That's apologetics sure. is understanding just things like that. So you don't go up to them and you're like, well, you're waiting for Jesus to come back. And they're going to look at you like, well, not really. You know, and I asked my Jewish friends, what do you think about that? And they say to me, because you know, I learned this from my Jewish professor, Dr. Barry Leventhal, he says, for the most part, many Jews believe that, listen, if the person of the Messiah exists, well, it exists in the embodiment of Jewish people doing really good works. And my friends usually say, well, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's really true. If you look who does cancer walks, uh, we got Levine Hospital and Levine University buildings. They're very good with philanthropy. And that's a wonderful thing. But you have to understand when you're sharing faith with your faith with people without a theistic or a um, Christian worldview, then you know, you have to understand something about them. Are they a Muslim? Yeah. Well, what country do they come from? You know? Exactly. Um, when you're talking about understanding and being uh, being in the moment, being personable to that person that you're trying to share your faith with. Um, you, you were saying a moment ago that you have, t you have teenagers. Uh, I have teenage grandkids. My kids are, are grown and on their own now, but I have teenage grandkids. And you were talking a moment ago about the importance of, of uh, teaching your children to defend their faith. As a, as a father of teenagers, how are you doing that? And how can you advise us how can you advise me as a grandparent to better equip my grandkids to share their faith, particularly in a day and age where they're getting so many different messages on, on the internet, they're attached to their devices, and they're just hearing just the voice of so many different um, perspectives just coming at them at all times. So how do we help them during this time? Yeah, and that's a that's a wonderful question. And I tell you what, I think grandparents are the most overlooked. I love having class in the in the grandparents in there because they've got a few things. They they usually come from a generation as a solid you know, Christian worldview. You don't have to really argue with them or try to persuade them that truth exists, and they usually have a good intact Christian worldview. That's a humongous starting place. The second thing they have is time. They have more time typically than the parents do. And in today's day and age, we have either absent parents, double career parents. And I think, I think there's, a, there's a massive mission for grandparents, massive in today's world. And the third thing that they have is they have the relationship with the family. So you have instant credibility. Now, what we do, you know, we homeschool. So my wife is working with them on Bible quite often. And, and as well, we do devotions. But I tell you, Babby, the learning in my house comes at these teachable moments <laughs> the kids yeah. will say something and I'll stop everybody. And then I will tell a story and then I'll make a point quite often out of the things that I write about. And, and I get them to think because it's a one-off uh, it's a one-off type, you know, they're not expecting it. It's not a formal learning period. And when sure. we do our devotions, you know, we either do it out of the Bible, straight out of the Bible, or we'll work through one of my books because there's actually you know, we'll take information, but we don't, we don't go the whole chapter, right? We'll take one point, give them one thing because they're teenagers. I'd rather give them one or two things to think about and ponder and learn than feel like I got to give them a hundred, you know, out of a particular chapter to think about. But if you do that, I think there's great success to be had. It, you know, in that way, you're making truth applicable and you're incorporating it into your life and into the moment and telling them how, uh, we're talking about our kids and our grandkids and how they can apply truth to daily living. So 
you know, a lot of times when we, I've seen this happen when a lot of people are defending their faith, they become confrontational. And the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. Can, can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I just had comment uh, on my YouTube channel uh, there. It, it, people were coming after me because I, I'm friends with David Berkowitz. He's a serial killer, you know, and, you know, convicted. And David has uh, been saved since about 10 years in the prison. And But some people, they they won't, they just won't accept that David can be saved. And every, and uh, I have that. And then I, I commented on a recent major, everybody knows, I won't say the name, major theologian who had a moral fall out of the Atlanta area. And boy, I got a lot of flack on that because I said, you know, we don't know if he's saved, right? I mean, he, to me, it looks like he backslidden. That's my opinion. And people again will come after you and, and, um, uh, you know, very vehemently that, hey, they, how do you know if he was saved or not? Here's the point, how I respond to them. I usually respond three times is on average. And when I do so, I, I do so theologically. And even though they might attack me, I, I, I respond to them in love. Now, after about the third time, if they continue to be rude, really rude, um, and one person used a, a word that wasn't very nice to describe my theology. So we just had to block them from the channel. I don't like doing that. But when you're in person, it's different than online. So when you're getting these attacks, or, or I should say, well, first of all, let me back up. When you are talking with people, you have to first empathize with them and understand that um, when you're talking with them, most of the time, they're just emotionally parroting what they hear in the media. So just understand where they're at. You, you know, if you're trained up, you, you know more than 90% of the people out there, if not 95%. And so you, know, you want to make sure that you have some empathy. But in approaching them, you know, for example, I write in the book, there's the, uh, not the, not the gun machine gun, but you know, machine guns goes, well, people will do, I call it this machine gun. I did that before all this gun stuff came out, but you know, it, it, it's, it's just like that, that people will just go one after another and they don't stop. They just shooting out these, these assertions of things that they really can't explain or defend themselves. And so they go boom, boom, boom. And the thing is, is we lose the argument if we never answer or never have the opportunity to answer. So I said, the first thing you do is you say, thank you. I really appreciate you're taking the time to answer that. You ask some great questions. And then I begin to answer the, let's go back to one. And after you give a rational answer to one, two, three questions, you'll discover that people never really got a true answer. And they kind of get quiet. And so sure. sometimes they'll still argue, but a lot of times they'll still, they'll, they'll, because you were actually able to give them a thoughtful, rational, biblical, truthful answer. You know, I think in, uh, I'm not a historian on this, but just from my reading um, of history and of Christian apologetics, it seems that God raises up people of every generation who are great defenders of our faith. And so and I'm sure there maybe you meet people on your podcast or in your speaking who are younger, who God is raising up, who've given them a real passion to defend their faith. Can you advise uh, people, say, of a generation coming up behind us um, as to where they can go to get more information, to maybe to connect with people like you? How would you advise them in that area? We have a lot of resources at reasonfortruth.org. If they want to get a formal education, I'd say the best school out there, there's a couple of them. Uh, my school, Southern Evangelical Seminary, it's ses.edu. Wonderful school to get trained up in apologetics. 
Um, you know, it's, it, I would caution this, go in, when you go in, you learn systematically, uh, typically in apologetics, if you're getting a classical education like I did. So in other words, you take a subject and you learn Bible plugged into that subject. Well, after a while, your brain kind of gets rewired from that. So I caution everybody to stay in your Bible through seminary if you're going to do that. But for most people, they don't want to do that. So that's where, okay, the book that we've just completed about uh, some time ago and now have a workbook, equipped workbook, and we actually have a video that where I teach it. And I'm, I, here's my opinion. I think that, you know, I think I've taken 20 years to summarize, I think, answers for some of the most important questions. And while it'll take some work to learn, if you take the book, the workbook and the video, and you put them together in your Bible study or, you know, or something like that in your classroom or even your family, I think you're going to find it to be your, your ROI, your return on investment is going to be massive because even though it'll take a little bit of time, you know, you just can't get, you can't get well-equipped in a two-minute YouTube. It just doesn't work. Absolutely. You have to spend some time. Listen, we're just about out of time, but you you have really stirred up the pot and and really uh, just kind of turned the, the uh, turned up the heat um, under that passion for us to share our faith. Where can we get more information about your books and about your podcast? Thank you. As always, you know they're available. The books are available uh, on Amazon as well as at equippedresources.com. But to make it easy, just go to reason for F O R reason for truth.org or dot Bible and just hit the equipped Academy there. You'll see a link for the video, which is separate. You also find discounted books there. We just discount them because we sell them direct. We can't guarantee you two day, you know, it goes media mail, but we will give them to you for a less expensive price. And if you happen to have a large study, we have a study right now, about 35 people, it will work out some kind of package deal to make it a little bit more applicable, depending on what you want out of it. Well, listen, thank you so very much, Stephen Garofalo, for being my very special guest and for writing great books and giving us wonderful resources that will help us to share our Christian faith. Thanks for joining me, all right? Thank you, Babby, for having me. It's been a blessing. Absolutely. And thank you very much for joining me. Listen, after this break, I'm going to come back with an encouraging word for you. So stick around for more of Babby's House. I'll be right back after this break. And welcome back to Babby's House. I always love this moment when I get to share my heart with you and encourage you in, in your walk with the Lord and encourage you in your faith. You know, when I was a young girl, uh, my father, who was a great preacher and pastor, took my sister and me on a road trip from our hometown in Jackson, Michigan, over to Detroit, where my grandparents lived. And on the way over on the expressway, there's a huge cemetery on the south side of the road. My father said to us when we were just kids, probably nine and 10 years of age, he said to us, how many folks do you all think are dead over there in that cemetery? Well, my sister took a wild guess. She said, well, maybe about 300 people. I said, no, that cemetery is huge. There's probably four or 500 people dead over there in that cemetery. Assuming that our dad had the right answer, and he did, we asked him, dad, how many people are dead over there in that cemetery? And daddy's answer was, all of them, all of them are dead over there in that cemetery. And now today, I can't pass a cemetery without thinking of those words. And I wonder how many people in the cemetery, whichever cemetery I pass on the way, died with their dreams still in them. I wondered 
how many people in the cemetery that I'm passing by still just died with their dreams unfulfilled. I wondered how many books never got written or how many proposals never got accepted, how many houses never got built, how many brides never walked down the aisle, a movie that didn't get produced or a book that never got written or a song that never got sung. Um, I wonder of the 7.5 billion people on the planet nowadays, how many people are living or have died with their dreams still in them? You know, there are many people, many reasons why your dream may not get fulfilled. Maybe because of fear, or maybe you're stuck in a relationship, or maybe you're afraid. May I say today, may I just encourage you to tap into the power of God. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, you could ask or think according to the power that is at work within you. I want to encourage you to go to my website at babby.com and check out my brand new book called Fully Qualified. And in that book, it encourages you to use your gifts for God, reminding you that you have everything on the inside of you to make God look good here in the earth. Well, thank you so very much for joining me today for Babby's House. It's always my joy to come to you, to encourage you, bless you in Jesus' name. Well, the Lord bless you. And thank you so very much for joining me today. My prayers are with you. You pray for me and I'll pray for you, all right? Until the next time we get together, God bless you and yours real good.